Martin Atkinson, I think he's got the red card out. Well, that didn't last long. Oh, the cameo, it's Payet! He's done it! All right, welcome one, welcome all to the straight red. Uh, there's plenty go around, so use the big spoon and make sure you take seconds. Uh, getting called up today, we've got Cass, Matt, Neil, Wiss, and Mo. Uh, they're chomping at the bit. So why don't we let the gates open and get on with today's post-match presser. Game week five. Goals are going out of style. They're going out of fashion. We had no less than 36 goals over this weekend. Uh, it was so many. It was almost as if all the players were on Oprah. You get a goal. You get a goal. You get a goal. Everybody gets goals. Four goals. We, we were seeing them across the board. Um, so, so what happened? City, five out of five. They're undefeated. But so Everton and Spurs, um, down at the bottom of the table, we've got Sunderland, Stoke. I don't think they've figured out what this league's about. You know, you've got to get wins. Zero, zero wins. Uh, their problem is scoring goals. And then Southampton, they dug themselves out after Charlie Austin rescued them. Came on, 10 minutes, scored, bam, 1-0 Southampton. Why don't we start off with Friday, 3 p.m. kickoff. Um, I don't. I can't remember what happened. Just, I don't even remember just, which game it was. Really, it was I think just we could just really move on to Saturday. Fast. Let's just do that because it was pretty uneventful. Yeah. Chelsea yeah. won. Chelsea it's won Liverpool two. Like, like six three or what, something. What? What was it? And then uh, the bridge. The bridge came down. I, I don't know if you lot saw bridge, that. Uh, the bridge was so quiet. I, I never seen it so silent in my entire life. And, and, <laughs> Everybody got silent so quickly. Uh, it, was, it was crazy. Neil, you saw that. You saw that meme going around of London has fallen. <laughs> no, I did it. Oh, outstanding. outstanding! It was really good. Uh, so, fill us in. Uh, what happened? Why did you guys mess up well, and win? I think for us, I mean, the real dominance came in the first half. Uh, both goals. I think, were not necessarily a product of Liverpool's lot to do with one oh, poor Chelsea defense. Uh, the first Lovren goal, I mean, it seemed like the whole back line really fell asleep on that play. Uh, he just had stick his foot out, let it go in, and, and that was done. And then I think from there we saw really Liverpool kind of sink their teeth into the match and take control of possession. The pressure was constant, and then ultimately – I think that led to probably one of the best goals I've seen all season uh, from Henderson. I mean, that that was crazy. I find myself so conflicted about him. I mean, the first few weeks I was like, man, this guy's got to go. I hate Henderson. Why are we starting this guy? And then he does some st stuff like that, and I'm like, oh, man, this guy January. can ball. I think January, yeah, he, January was when he scored last. That's – and then oh. – <laughs> <laughs> I'm still, I'm still in shock about that goal, man. That was, that was incredible. Yeah, yeah but we can't take anything away from that goal. Again, you know, it's a one-time deal. I, when was the last time you saw Henderson take a shot from outside the box? <laughs> yeah, he's gonna go silent for like four more months before yeah. he does anything again. I'm like, hey, whatever, man. It got us the victory. That was awesome. <laughs> to me, is why you give him that much space? Because you know? he yeah. never shoots. That's why I give him that space. You know, they're gonna well, learn. Maybe they learned their lesson. Yeah. Oh, it's a huge the angle of the shot, though. You can't really take anything away from that. Was a pure strike oh, up beautiful. the right corner. No way for any keeper, even the tallest keeper, to get yeah. there. 
At the end of the day, Liverpool walked away with three points against Chelsea and Arsenal. I mean, you can't beat that. Arsenal, what? Um, I'm losing to Burnley, so that, though. That, that sticks out. How does that happen? You know, who knows? Who cares? I think that's the real question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. It'll probably be... They, I think Liverpool's playing like the second-best team in the EPL right now. Just based on initial performances, I think... There's still a big gap between every team in the EPL and City. Liverpool looks like they're the best uh, I've seen them in, in a couple of years. Um, but, Matt, tell me, what, what happened? What happened with Chelsea, man? Where, where did they go wrong? I mean, why, last, why week, such... last week you saw some yeah. defensive frailties against Swansea. I mean, they were lucky to come back uh, and get – it was against Swansea, right? 2-2 two, two draw? Yep. Yeah. So, that was – I mean, you had some signs there where it was – Clearly, you need to tighten up the defense and you need to kill off a game when you have the chance. This was a little different coming back from 2-0 down. Again, the first goal was pretty crap, if I must say. (laughs) Defensively, they're just walking around, not even paying attention. You had like three Liverpool players on the left side or right side just stuck his foot out, like you said, and it was crap. Um, However, the Henderson goal, you know, we still think he's the most or one of the most overrated English players, uh, typically crap as well. Beautiful strike. You can't, again, I said it before, you can't take anything away from it. And Chelsea just couldn't come back. Um, they did score early enough in the second half that I thought they'd at least get something back. Um, but, you know, and they had a similar, you know, their goal, the Costa goal was kind of the same thing, walking it in. Um, all the way down to the, the goal line, little chip back, Costa you know, pushes it into the goal. You'd think they'd come back after that, but it was it was too yeah. far gone. I think Liverpool defensively was much tighter. They, they looked like they were going to come back. I mean, there was a stretch of about, I think, 15, 20 minutes where I was deeply concerned. I mean, we saw Hazard, Matic, Costa pressing every possession, every play, and you know, that's what I think the most important part of this victory was, at least for me. I mean, scores were really exciting, but what I really want to see as a Liverpool fan moving forward is defense and being able to kind of stay strong in the back. How much pressure other teams like Chelsea are putting in. Yeah. Storm, and ultimately we came out with the victory. And, you know, that was a big game in Stamford Bridge, you know, I know Chelsea's been going through some problems recently, but that's PL one way or another. Yeah. And, and it's uh, become quite it a big... strong rivalry between the two teams. I mean, yeah. uh, after the first, you know, Mourinho period when they had that crazy long uh, home win stretch or undefeated home streak, Liverpool was the first team to defeat them at the bridge. And it seems like they figured it out again. Um, I'm not surprised that Chelsea lost, to be honest. Um, I kind of wish they had a draw. Um, I think Conte will be really pissed about that performance specifically. Um, and I think one of the key things that I've noticed, um, <clears throat> sorry, Conte, the coach, not Conte, the uh, midfielder. The, um, that is so confusing. You're right. It's very confusing. So the coach will be pissed. One thing I did have a note on uh, is Conte's performance The in the midfield. He has that holding midfield role. And I think, one of the major differences between his performances last season for Leicester and this season for Chelsea is last year he had way more freedom 
um, mm. moving side to side on the pitch, not so much front and back, you know, box to box type runs, but he was really cleaning up all of the midfield side to side. He would pester the wingers every time they got the ball, they'd lose the ball. He'd give a great pass and it would be back in Leicester's favor. Whereas now in Chelsea, um, the coach Conte uh, has him very fixed in the center of the field and he's not moving. You know, they have, he has four midfielders ahead of him. He shouldn't have to do a whole bunch of side to side work, but you see players like Hazard has been criticized in the past for his defense Oscar, I mean, you, he doesn't defend ever. So you're going to have to have someone pick up the slack. If the coach is saying to match it, push forward, Conte is going to have to have more freedom to move yeah. around the midfield. And I think that's one of the things that they're still working on. Um, but I'd like to see more from him. And I think that defensively, you know, Terry's out. I think Conte could really fill in that gap um, and, and clean up the midfield a little bit more. I got a question for you guys. Who do you think has the most passes in the Premier League? Just take a guess. That's a good question. I mean, off the top of the head, you would think City. That would be my. We know it's not Rooney. (laughs) You all saw those statistics. Oh yeah. It's it's Jordan Henderson. What? (laughs) No way. And it's not it's not by it's not by one or two passes. The next person. Uh, is Idrissa Gueye, and and Henderson is three hundred eighty-eight passes. He he wow. he has single-handedly turned Liverpool around. You know yeah. he's he's, he's really, really effective. It's it's an incredibly impressive stat. So if you think about what happened in the middle, Matt was speaking about Kante, and then you throw in David Luiz as well. So maybe there's a breakdown here, and on top of it, you've got this really fast breakneck speed attack that's coming together because of Henderson, very physical. Um, you saw what Lalana did the other day too. So it's like, you can call it luck, but if you're, in, if you're in that range and you find an opportunity to take a shot like that and you rip it, if it's on target, there's a very good likelihood that's going to go in. So it was kind of telling between the two teams uh, last weekend about who yeah. wanted it and more. I think just and having who had, that extra yeah. space in the Chelsea defense is really, it really yeah. led them to a lot of, a lot of problems. But I'd like to chime before we move on, about... <clears throat> go ahead, go ahead. You go first. I'll, uh, I'll say my thing. I was, I was just going to say, I think the most beautiful moment of the entire match, though, is what happened afterwards. Man, Klopp goes out on the pitch. No, no, no. Klopp goes out on the pitch, literally hugs every single player. Every player. And I was like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> love that guy. You know, I love that guy. Yeah. Well, the, the 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 my take on that Neil was that the fact that he did it, um, he did it on the field, like you said, which makes it in the public arena. So it, it's there. It's there on the cameras. You know. So that's kind of a statement. He didn't do. It, he didn't go back in the locker room to shake everyone's hand. He's out there on the pitch. So that's an obvious kind of uh, a bonding moment, if you like. And it's it's obvious that the team are getting on well. So yeah. It's a, it's a little bit. Uh, I had you be PC about it. I, it's all right. It's fine. Yeah, whatever, it's, man. PC. Would you say braggadocious to do that in the you know, all right. All right. Heart was opposing team stadium? Moved in a special way. <laughs> Mine wasn't moved. I, I, for me, I think it's a little, it's a little too much. Um, he's already said that he's, you know, he prematurely celebrates. Um, you know, with a goal, he goes crazy. With a win, he goes crazy. With a draw, he goes crazy. Um, with a loss, he goes crazy in another sense. But uh, 
He's he's a little, you know, too touchy feely for my for my liking. This, this early in the season, this early in no, the season. If Chelsea won and Conte did that, you'd be like, oh, he's the best coach in the world. I love you. No, no, because he'd probably still smack his players up and down the field saying, no, you true. didn't do this, you didn't do this, you didn't do this, do this, do this. I will say real quickly, Jordan Henderson, for me, I was a little bit skeptical when he took over the captain's armband from Gerard. And you think, who is this guy to fill in such big shoes? He seems to have yeah. really come into his own. Um, he's so passionate every time he scores a goal. If you look at his face when he scores a goal for Liverpool, <laughs> he is the happiest man on the planet. He runs, like, so much energy. Um, so he has really become a leader for that team. Uh, it can't be understated. And uh, the other thing, too, I think Chelsea, they have some defensive injuries right now. You have to look at, like, Zuma and Terry. So I think you could maybe pump the brakes a little bit when it comes to uh, so just take those into consideration but Jordan Henderson I love the passion I think he's a great leader um, two thumbs up for me yeah as long as he maintains his tempo and this this pace um, good things it's the key that the midfield is the key like you said they're missing Steven Gerrard and there hasn't been replacement since him but if you can if you can take in and fill those boots um, very very promising okay Good stuff. Why don't we move on to um, the, uh, how do we put it nicely? The decimation of Hull at the hands of Arsenal. <laughs> Casey. All right. So <laughs> I mean, that was scored really and then Arsenal decimation. Got four. decimation. I'm, not, I'm not convinced though, you know, until, until they got that red card. It was it's still a pretty, pretty close game. You know, I'm an Arsenal fan, but if you watch to go back, watch the game and look at Monreal. Uh, he was always out of place. A few times he's got run past. A few, there was a few times, like a few chances were were created because of that. And even though without we got the four one win, you know I'm not I'm not too convinced. But my man of the match definitely has to go to Wobi. Even though he didn't get a goal, he still looked great out there. He was making the runs, got an assist. You know, you could give him the goal that Sanchez ended up taking, but he was definitely the man of the match for me. Uh, Another thing that I was very happy about is seeing Jaka and El Nini work so well together, you know, coming in after uh, they subbed out Carzola. And they they look like they're, you know, a good partnership. Uh, Even the game today, uh, they're looking really good out there. So I'm happy there. But as for our defense, it's still still sketchy. And I'm kind of worried going into the game against Chelsea, you know. Uh, This is what usually happens. We usually get confident. We get a good win. And then we just get destroyed the next game. And I don't want them to do that right now. So they need to just relax a little bit and not let this, you know, this win get to their head. So, yeah. you know, I am after watching uh, last weekend's game. One player I'm quite worried about is uh, Alexis Sanchez. Where does he fit in this game or in this squad? Wenger keeps putting it up front, but he's not the lone striker type. And with uh, it will be sort of coming into his prime, or at least uh, having, have, being in form right now. Walcott's also proving me wrong. He's, like, actually being a good, decent player right now. Where does Alexis Sanchez fit in? So, yeah, Walcott's great, but he's not consistent. Uh, he did the same thing last season. He had two, three good games. We got all excited, and we ended up in the same situation. Uh, I honestly see Perez coming in, you know, moving into that striker spot and moving Sanchez back out wide again. And let him make that run. He made a good run today, and I can see him making those runs. Giroud 
I have a feeling he's going to be losing his spot unless they can figure something out for him. Uh, it just – and I have a side bet going with Neil, so I need Perez to play. <laughs> what, what about that penalty? What's that bet? What, what do you think about that penalty that he took? He shouldn't take it. Straight up shouldn't take what, what, it. What's Arsene happening? Because we know that – yeah, what, Santi's supposed to take them, so what do you think went down? It just – it happens. I've been in games where, you know – you get the PK and you get excited, you know, you, you want to go score. And he took the PK and it was a horrible shot. He, he took that little stutter step and put it, he didn't even put it in the corner. He put it in a position where a keeper can jump after the ball was kicked and make the save. And that's it was such a not only that, one of the like, rolled to the keeper. Now, now I'm not. And one of the whole players told the keeper, did you see that in the replay? Yeah, he pointed to the yeah. yeah. So I, didn't, the I didn't actually see the penalty. Was it like on par with Zaza level excitement? No, no, no. It was <laughs> no? on target. Okay. It was on target. But here's the thing. Yeah. Just, just checking. If you're, taking a, if you're taking a PK, it doesn't matter how good the keeper is. If you place it right with enough power, not, no keeper is going to make that save. It's too close. It was a horrible play. You got you to gotta put it away. You got a whole lot of net and a tiny keeper in there. You got to just make it happen. And he did not, you know, and we got lucky. It didn't cost us the game this week, but a week ago or two weeks ago, it would have been, you know, the game. So he should, he should know his spot about, and let Sanchez take the PK. You know. Two for four about in the, the last um, two games, not yeah. good. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. What about the, uh, the sending off? What, what do you think about Livermore and the handball and all that? It was a handball. It was up to the ref if you wanted to give him the yellow or the red. He chose the red, you know. Uh, he wasn't, it was a bit harsh, in my opinion. Yeah, it was. You know, he didn't look deliberate, that, in my opinion. His arm was out, but it wasn't deliberate. So yeah. I, I did see the replay on that, and I do agree. It was harsh, in my opinion. Again, it's one of those double whammies. You give him the penalty, you give him the red card. Yeah. Penalty should be enough. You shouldn't have to send the penalty off the, is the Yellow penalty card, yes, but... So speaking of that, that's really harsh. The other way around, the check, check play, that could have been a red card if the ref wanted to call the foul. The ref didn't want to call the foul. He actually walked away from the play, and it was one of the side judges that, you know, called called the PK. And then he threw the yellow card out because he had to. But honestly, he's the I, last I man. Hard, <clears throat> I had a hard time seeing contact. You know, I, I don't it's, know if the you don't need contact. He he changed. He changed the play by doing that, you know. Uh, he, there was a chance for the other player to go score. He got in his way. If you go back and look at Ospenia, Ospenia makes a save on the ball. He actually gets contact. So even if there's any doubt, it's covered. But I think yeah. the ref made a bad call. It could have it actually been a red. I would give a red card on that play. Why don't we move on to Man City and their game Bournemouth? <laughs> Four nil at the Etihad. Oh, <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> uh, De Bruyne again. This is kind of what De you Bruyne expect again. from a team with these kind of uh, players. Um, <laughs> I mean, whether or not you uh, you think that a team can win, you know, three nil, two nil, four nil. I think the style they played and the way the the game kind of unfolded was what you would have expected from. Man City against a team like Bournemouth. Uh, they yeah. completely dominated every phase of the game. Defense, offense, 
midfield attempts, possession, all the stats. So basically you want to look at performances. De Bruyne was unplayable during the game. I think he couldn't put a ball wrong. That free um, kick was ridiculous. And, Just have to and see. the other thing too is it looks like, you know, the scouting team for Man City have been telling the guys uh, they've been watching tape on these other teams. So Pep, after De Bruyne kicked that free kick under the wall, he pointed at one of the guys in the bench saying that you knew what you were talking about, meaning that that guy called that free kick under the wall because he had seen the, uh, the research. Crystal Palace yeah. game. Yeah. And so when you have a team like that, that's really hard to beat because you got a guy that can place the ball where you want him to place it, and you have guys who are watching how the other team reacts when a free kick occurs. That's so hard to beat, that kind of scouting effort. Um, so overall, very organized. Um, you had Sterling on the score sheet, Ihanacho on the score sheet. They assisted one another, and De Bruyne was involved in both those build-up plays. Yep. Gundogan on he, his goal. Debut he got goal. Gundogan's goal. He assisted Gundogan in his goal. So overall, very dominant performance. I don't know how much more you can take from that other than Man City seem to be clicking on. Uh, Bournemouth really don't offer much of a threat. Yeah. And it was a home game at the Etihad. So you expect that kind of a result from Man City against that kind of a so, team. So, Cass, let me ask you, what is a, what is a recess? Because so far this, this season and in the Champions League, or do they have their Champions League game yet already? But anyway. Defense so they, far. They haven't been able to keep been, too many clean sheets, I would say. They've, they've been having a good season so far, but what is their, what position are they the weakest or what is their, where can they go wrong? Defense. So they have come undone by some defensive mistakes. Um, we've seen they haven't been able to keep clean sheets in most of the Premier League matches this season. Uh, some kind of defensive lapse. Either the goalkeeper spills the ball, a player puts a cross in from out wide, and they get a goal. Um, so, like West Ham's goal, or the goal where uh, Bravo spilt the ball and Ibrahimovic had that karate kick goal. Yeah. Um, stuff like that, those kind of things they need to phase out of their game. But I think right now Stones is really settling in the team. The company is expected to come back. Um, you're looking at Gunnigan is now settling into the first team because he's getting, you know, starts. He's healthy again. Yeah, happy to see that, that man. Cause, Love that guy. Because if, if you look at the performance against Sunderland, and now, I mean, with evidence that we've seen from Sunderland all season, they're going to stink out the joint. <laughs> most games uh they weren't really able to have too much success against them and they had to get an own goal to win that game this team is clicking a lot better so when we said we should just pump the brakes on making assumptions based on the first game of the season i think that's really uh coming to fruition so they're improving uh, but again a good team now with that kind of a counterattack, i'd love to see how they match up against one another Any i think that's really hard. intriguing as a matchup What's that? Any regrets on Joe Hart not being on the team? Is Bravo an upgrade? <clears throat> um, he's been good. You know, he hasn't really been tested all that much since the Man U game. Um, you know, Borussia Mönchengladbach didn't really offer all that much. Uh, so it's hard to say. Man, you put a little bit of on stuff on him, but, you know, not even that much. They were kind of poor in that performance. I would like to see him against a team that really puts some pressure on him and see how he performs. Uh, but he is playing like eleventh uh, player on the pitch. If you notice in the game, he was coming out way out of the box, playing the ball with the other players. So if they lose possession somewhere in that part of the pitch, 
you're going to talk about a player that can make him pay for that mistake. And a uh, top team has one of those kind of players. Uh, so we'll see. So far, it's good, but you really have to face on the matchups that you see the team against. Let's move on to the second segment uh, of today's show, the ref report. Um, I was thinking about a bunch of things and just in general, where are we at, you know? And I'm seeing a lot of times people get a lot of things. They get, they get a lot of money and it seems that they don't get a lot of sense attached to it. You'll see people buying huge houses they can't maintain or live in. Uh, they've got pools where they can't even swim. Uh, cars, they can't drive. Uh, jets, when they've got a fear of flying. What's going on? What, what, does, what, what does money do to people? So this week's ref report, I'd like to ask, um, in the vein of the famous uh, Notorious B.I.G., <laughs> more money, more problems? <laughs> more money, more expectations. You know, there's a lot of expectations. If you're spending that much, you yeah. got to produce. And when you're not producing, people will start freaking more, out. More money, Mourinho problems. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mourinho problems. Yeah. Man, Cass, hey, you yes. are fired yeah, today, buddy. You yeah, are so, fired. Well, Jeez, this guy. Hey, Cass, so we're talking about Mourinho problems. So we're bringing straight. What has Man City done? But yeah, certainly there's going to be a lot more scrutiny on the team that spends a lot of money. You want to see those players perform. Uh, you know, those players aren't cheap. I'm sure people who bought them, so the owners of these teams, are going to say. Not panning out. Um, look, the guy that we've been calling out a lot lately amongst our own group is Paul Pogba. Yeah. You're, you're the star. You cost 89 million pounds. You're back in England, back at your old club. And uh, you really haven't done much to justify anything even close to that price tag. So how is it that you're, you know, in your Instagram – Posting all your new haircuts, these songs people are singing for you. So some of that stuff, I think it's fine. You know, you can have some fun with it. But if you're not performing on the pitch, those things will come under intense yeah. scrutiny, especially in England. We all know how the English media love to look at everything with a magnifying glass. So it seems like, you know, if you don't have the right person to manage these personalities or to put people in the right position, you're not going to get the best out of your money. Value for money? Yeah, no matter, no matter how so much far. you spend. Yeah, totally. So totally. you could look at a team and that's then, on the opposite yeah. end of the spectrum. Everton, they're second. I can guarantee you their payroll is nothing close to any of the other teams that are supposed to be in the top four. So, so with all this money in this, in this influx, right, and this uh, huge inflation, What's, what's happening? Where, what, what is causing all this? For example, how much of a player's value, let's take, let's take Paul Pogba, right? How much of that is the actual player's worth? And then what is the rest made of? What is a, what is a player's fee made up of? And maybe what's happened is we're basing expectations on the bottom line when the bottom line includes uh, all kinds of other bits and pieces and the actual player value is just a fraction of that number. What, yeah. What's going on? Well, 20% is going to his agent. We know that much. Jesus Christ. Okay. I mean, oh, man. Yeah. 
Yeah. So there, there's 20% of that, of that fee. I mean, what is Pogba worth? I mean, how much is he getting paid? Like 230,000 pounds a week? Is that, is that accurate? I don't know. It's a lot times 220,000, right? So. Yeah. So let's say Pogba, like Pogba is basically making what? 1 million pounds per month. And how, I don't even know how many years his contract was. Does anybody know that off the top of their head? No, no, I can't no tell you. Yeah, I, I can't imagine it's more than three to four years, right? So, I mean, let's say it's for making what twelve million a year. So he's basically what forty-eight mil. Uh, so, where does the rest of that money even go to? I don't know. Is it is it administrative costs? Is it you know paying debt? I, I really don't know the breakdown, but not a lot of it goes to the player himself. Well, the whole idea. Sure. Is that- you're sure. paying all the, you're paying all this money to buy not only the player for the actual on-field tactics, but what they do off the field. Whether it's by marketing, yeah. um, selling jerseys. Granted, jerseys sales don't add up to whatever you're investing in, but it's the entire idea that you're building the marketing machine that is a Man City, a Chelsea, a R- B Arsenal. It's building the whole hype machine of a club. You're getting your uh, season ticket holders based on we buy Nozil. He's going to do wonders for us. Buy, re-sign your season tickets. You know, it's the whole idea. And one of the gripes I have with all this money floating around is that, yeah, you're buying the players. Yeah, you're getting the big names. I love to see a Sanchez on the field, but do they fit on with the team on field? That is the biggest uh, thing that, we're, that the teams are getting away from. So one of the biggest... Um, one of the uh, biggest transfers in recent memory is Fernando Torres. He was the one of the biggest flops. He didn't score a goal to like, go for like there, eight, man? nine Why months. Why you gotta go to Torres? That is so <laughs> no, but Torres. You should be happy. <laughs> Torres sucked after he left Liverpool. But um, yeah, it's just like Chelsea bought Torres. Why? Well, but I think you also there's the whole backstory between what was happening at Liverpool at the time. And the, yeah, the no change doubt. In, in their... Right, I'm not, I'm not saying that there isn't a backstory. It's just, I mean, there's no backstory for everything, right? But I'm saying, do they really need needed him? Like, they could have gone anyone or not only Torres. Then you look at Pogba. Why do you need a player, A, that expensive? Yes, clearly Man United have midfield issues. Yeah. They could have well, I don't like any holes. For, for the Chelsea perspective, even though... Took him a while. Torres finally paid him, you know, paid off that transfer fee. Uh, with one goal. I'm going to beg to differ. One goal. One that's all it takes. Goal. One goal. With one goal. No, yeah, that's yeah. all it takes is one goal. So, and folks, Pogba folks, wins them the Champions League. I'm on the fence. Well, you know what? <laughs> what it sounds love, like to me. And I love saying, Torres. We're saying I always love Torres. Yeah, but what what we're saying is that it's not it's not reliable anymore. Basically, it's not reliable. No. The, the the value that's placed on here because we're we're very used to we're accustomed to associating a certain level of expectation based on player value. That's what it used to be. Now there's this huge inflation, right? Okay, so then let's look at two teams. Let's look at City and let's look at United and compare them. They both have a lot of money. They've spent. They've spent a lot of money. Let's not compare exact amounts, but they've spent a lot of money. And let me ask you this question. What if managers were swapped? What if Jose was at City? Mm, good question. And Pep was at United? I, I, what's, it would know, be the team struggling right now. It's, it's, it comes down to the 
coaching tactics. Pep came in, he had a plan, and he's executing it. You know, he I doesn't take any. Some of the base players you have at one team are much better than the other. What I, would Mourinho I, do? If with you look the, at the Aguero. starting lineup, player by player. Yeah, it, that's true. But he still knows these coaches know what they're doing. You know, they know how to mold the team. They know how to bring in signings. Pep wouldn't be going out and buying a Pogba if he had Man U. He'd be making smart decisions, bringing in young players with some experience that are hungry. He can go buy four players for the money he spent on Pogba and hope one of them come through, you know? Even when that person comes through, yeah. zero expectation on him. When he does great, he's going to have that support behind him. But now you got Pogba, you know, making triple the salary of players that are playing double, as, twice as, good, as well as he is, you know? If, if Arsenal went down and bought Jaka for $60 million, that one goal he scored, nobody would give a crap. Well, you know, no one but would. Here's the, but well, here's well, my thing, though. You know, the okay? reason, because you have, yeah. to take a look at, you have to take a look at transfers and see who each team brought in. There are four major signings. Eric Bailly, he was, they, they rumor around $30 million or so, looking like a solid defender. Zlatan for free. Uh, Mkhitaryan from Dortmund, and Paul Pogba for 89 million pounds. On the other hand, you have City, who brought in guys like Gundogan for 20 million, apparently, 20 million pounds. Nolito. No way. No way it was that cheap. That's what no it's... Way. Yeah, he, he was like no. 20 or something. Yeah. Yeah, there's add-ons. Add but the base low. fee. That's low. They're smart. They, they, they set him up in a way where you don't see how much he's making. Right. Yeah, Sané like, was 37 million pounds. Stones was 47 and a half million pounds. And everyone looked at that fee and said, okay, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And lastly, Claudio Bravo from Barcelona for like 15.4 plus add-ons. These all have add-ons, trust me. But, you know, those are the type of players that Pep wants. Like Nolito doesn't seem like a very Jose type player. You know, I think some of these players are also bought because the manager likes that player's style. I don't think it's necessarily just you're a good manager, you take the same player, right? I, I also think there's more to just that, though. You know, I think you have to look at where both clubs were at going into this transfer season, right? I mean, you have a club like City. Expectations are still super high, uh, who are still going to be contending for championships uh, year in, year out. Uh, regardless if Pep comes. I think, you know, that's still a top four team for the next five, ten years. But then you have United, right? And United have been declining progressively for the last, like, handful of years. You've got a dissatisfied fan base. You know, you're essentially looking at the next Liverpool, as much as I hate to say it. So (laughs) I think they're – no, I mean, it's true. But the reason you buy Pogba, Zlatan, Mkhitaryan, it's not just – you know, because of what I think we were talking about earlier as to whether or not, you know, they're players that coaches like or whatnot. I think there's a value in bringing those types of caliber of player in. You know, you do excite the fans. You do give them something to look forward to. And you expect them to perform on the pitch. But it is a double-edged sword because the second you start falling, you fall hard and you will crash and burn. And so if United cannot figure out a way to turn this around – I mean, you're going to see a mass exodus by the end of the next year. Maybe two, but, like, point being is that they don't have enough time uh, to really allow, you know, these players to have this long learning curve. The expectations are immediate, and they have to start making results right away. Here's a, here's a question I have then. So, you know, going into, let's say, five, ten years ago, 
comes to the transfer market and teams are trying to buy players, would a top player have gone to Manchester City over Manchester United in public consensus opinion? And years ago? Yeah. Or, like, let's say when the Sheikh, uh, Sheikh Mansour first bought the club, would you say that a top player would go there over Man United if both teams yeah, expressed did. interest? Well, they did say that Robinho was confused as to which Manchester <laughs> he was going to. So, Honestly, I think so, times have changed. You know, back then... And there's a bit of a momentum shift, yes. a lot more important. You know? And also, like, the base squad, in my opinion, I've said this, but I think that the base squad of Man City last season underperformed to what they could have, whereas the Manchester United squad were about where we thought they would be based on what they had. Uh, well, I think so, that point's very important when you talk about the base squad because you have to remember, no matter how many superstars you have, your team's only as good as your crappiest player on the pitch. Yes. And the moment that your worst player underperforms, you, you have know, <laughs> beautiful passes, you get the guy that you don't want to have the ball on the ball, and he messes up, and then you're back to square one. Uh, the problem is your your base team at Manchester City is much better and has been much better than the Manchester United base team. And I think Pep's been really smart at filling in those gaps, you know, seeing where he needs to pick and choose, whereas Manchester United's going for for the glory transfers, for the big money, the big marketing, the big, you know, Manchester United's coming back type the, of The uh, Galacticos of so England. I think it's interesting when you do a comparison between – this goes back to the Pep Mourinho comparison, but if you look at the two managers and how they have – they're in charge of the two of the biggest clubs in the world, right? And you have – they have unlimited money at their hands. The same thing they have with Barca and Real Madrid, but what are they doing differently? They both have absolute superstars on their team, but what are they doing differently that is making Mourinho A not be competitive? Or what is making Man United suck? And the crux of it is the fact that their tactics suck, regardless of whether you're by Ibrahimovic or you have Aguero. If your tactics don't complement them, you're not going to get the results you want. And that's where the issue is. Yeah, and Pep took a stand before he came in. He literally said, Torre is not playing. <laughs> he doesn't fit into my system, and he's not putting out. I think if he went to Man U, he'd tell everybody, hey, Rooney's not playing. He's not, he doesn't fit into my system, and I'm going to figure out how to make things work around you know, the team. Uh, it's, that's the difference between the two coaches. One is using the players to his advantage, and the other is using the media to his advantage. Mourinho loves to be the, you know, the highlight. If he can be on the TV 24-7 talking to himself, he'll be on TV 24-7 talking to himself. And, and that's, that's the big issue. You know? And if, you're, if you go back to the whole financial issue or financial topic, um, I'm going to throw this out there, but does this make Arsene Wenger a secret genius? The fact that he's... Oh, man. You were just talking about the tactics of a team. Right, right, right. The tactics of a team. Not about who the coach is buying. So you just completely turn tables right Let me make my point. And I'm just going to throw this out there just to like think about. I think he might be a secret genius. I'm not sold on it yet, but he might be because if you're looking at tactics and the players he buys, he doesn't go out and buy that ridiculously expensive player to for building that Arsenal hype machine, marketing machine, X Y Z, whatever. 
he buys the players to fill the void, right? Whether it's a Giroud or a Lucas Perez, whatever, he's not going out there buying the super expensive world-class striker. He's buying a player that, A, fits his financial needs on his evaluation scale, right? He's not going out there buying, forking out the transfer fee. But, but you're not winning There's games. a major I mean, difference. You're not winning I think trophies. It's, it's hard to make that comparison. Right. Here's the, we're talking here's about the big issue. You can buy players. He's buying players way too late. He's, he's, making, he's doing the right thing, but he's doing it too late and too slow. You can't go – for the past few seasons, he's going out and buying one player at a time. And by the time we get that player adjusted, one of our players that has been doing really well moves on. You know? Right. I'm not disagreeing. With, I'm, I completely disagree with his entire strategy of the transfer market, right? But I'm saying his entire strategy of saying, I'm going to buy the players that I need on my um, evaluation of what I need to fit into this box. I'm not going to go but, outside but and buy. what is that getting him in there? Yeah. Yeah, you have to him? factor in expectations. Like, that's <laughs> – that's a huge part that we're not talking about, right? Like, Arsenal can do that, but they're also expected to win Like, go back, going back to expectation. Okay, granted, we're not buying the greatest players out there, but and this is this this is gonna this is a pro and a con, but we're consistently finishing at the top four, and then doing nothing. We're in the league. Win right, the league. Beat yeah. Bark out in the Champions League. Granted, the, the, the Man City like, and the Chelsea fans start talking now. Like, these are I don't want this to become another Arsenal conversation, guys. God. Let me rein it back in. Let me rein it back in. Bring it down. With, with what, what I'm going to bring back to, you bring up a good point, right? We don't want to get into an Arsenal Wenger debate, but he, you, you raise a really good point because Arsene Wenger has been, he's been interested in a lot of these players that have gone to other teams. So he's, he's been openly um, praising Mkhitaryan, Pogba, um, a, a string of these players, and he's just been priced out of that, that deal for whatever reason, right? Now, obviously, in his head, he has a value that's been set for, whatever, for each of these players, and he thinks what the asking price is too much. But I think he is basing it on being at Arsenal. Do you think if he, let's say he remained at Arsenal and he had unlimited funds, would he, would he be an owner of Pogba? You don't think he would? You do think he'd have a Mkhitaryan? Do you think he'd have... Um, um, uh, there's a number of players that he wanted, and some of them have gone on to be super successful. Suarez is the I think he doesn't I think also if he had as much money as he wanted, you would have seen a lot of the players that Arsenal sold stay for a lot longer. That's a very good point. You can you can gamble when you've got a lot of money. Like how much power does money really have today? What, what sort of power does it have? You know, like you said, you mentioned it lets you keep players. Um, do you think that Arsene Wenger? would have the players that he wanted that he couldn't have get got because of let's say let's say there was financial concern right and i'll, I'll put more. it to you this way he, he's an economist right he, he knows how okay. to deal with money and we look at a classic example is professional players who make a lot of money who don't know what to do with it after they retire two years after not even that long what to do with all that money but someone who's a financial manager who knows how to use the money properly, they can make it go a much longer way. They can make dividends. And you know what? They can even turn a profit potentially. 
So I don't see how Arsene Wenger, who is an economist, who knows how to, you know, work money, doesn't bring in some players that he knows he can win things with and make more money for Arsenal. Because if they win, right. their merchandise money. sales go up. Yeah. No, no, their it's ticket sales go up. There's more demand. From the it's, it's, it's interesting you know, when you compare... He knows what to do with money. It's interesting when you compare the Arsene Wenger and Arsenal scenario to... If you take this season only, what we see, Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool. Like, who have Liverpool bought in the, in the transfer market that's, that's been like, oh, my God, that is a player that every other club is envious of? Maybe yeah, Mane. Like, maybe I'm Mane. Saying, Mane was probably the best signing in the last year. But they're not players that can be like Aguero, Ibrahimovic, Sadio yeah. Mane. No, it's, okay. it's, 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 it's kind of a different appeal. Well, the fact is, Liverpool right now is kicking butts. It's right. purely based on tactics and how they're pl- getting played, not on financial resources. I think it's, oh, I mean, it's I think playing it the right to tactics the, yeah. to the players you have. And again, I think in the Liverpool case, it's coming down to the, the question of who is their weakest link. They have a very strong, solid team. Maybe it's not the best top player you know, in each position. You have like a top striker, a top midfielder surrounded by these other good players. You have a really good core group of players and the other teams that are slipping up like Chelsea, they have also a very good team on paper, but they're not playing to their, their strengths and, and Liverpool took advantage of that. And I think, I think that's what it comes down to. They don't need the top player, but that doesn't mean that Arsenal is going to you know, do well by just financially managing who comes in, who goes out, and not paying attention to... I completely disagree with what you're saying. You're going to... If you were to give me options saying, Wissam, tomorrow, pick Liverpool versus Chelsea based on the players that you have, they have right now, I would say Chelsea every single time. I would never bet against uh, Diego Costa. I would never bet against a Willian. I would never bet against Eden Hazard. Against Firmino... Sadio Mane, like, I'm not saying they're bad players. I'm just saying Chelsea has a world-class squad on paper. And by I, but name, I think Liverpool is playing resources. to the tactics that fit their team. And I think they so so you're saying, that... too, that Chelsea's tactics right now are completely subpar and Conte has no clue what the hell he's doing. <laughs> Don't no. make him say that. <laughs> I think he might have taken that a bit too yeah. far. Wow. Um, <laughs> I think... Uh, I think... I think there is still work to be done in the Chelsea squad. There is still work to be done. Chelsea beats Liverpool. Eight out of ten. I will will say that. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. um, How did this conversation come about? I don't even know this. This is crazy. But also at the same time, Arsenal Arsenal hasn't had a good record against Chelsea either. So let's let's put your let's put your theory to the test this weekend. Liverpool either. But anyway, so. That may be the truth, but who wins the league titles in the last, you know, four or five years? So Listen, let's not get caught up with that. It doesn't like, matter. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's, okay. team let's bring it back. Um, it might be the one on my shirt, but uh, it might not be. But I think it is. A Liverpool fan doesn't want to talk about history. Take a note, guys. Oh, but, wow. Hey, I will say this. Wow. So, we're talking about how – you guys are talking about how Liverpool haven't made any of these major signings, and maybe we should – Look at their model of signing players. They signed a lot of players in the last couple of seasons that we've all said have underperformed. So yeah, totally, Firmino yeah. was not cheap. Firmino has been there for a while. He's starting to perform like they expect him to play. Two years. 
Two years. He's been there two years. Yeah. Uh, Wijnaldum. Wijnaldum was 23 million pounds. That's not cheap, okay? Uh, Jordan Henderson was not a cheap signing. They got him. He's an English talent. He's good. Coutinho, Lallana, all these. I can keep going. Sturridge, Mane. Mane was not cheap. Origi, not cheap. Klein. So these guys are all I'm pretty sure Origi was pretty cheap. It was comparatively, like though, comparatively. <laughs> though, they signed him at 19 hey, but, but, years old. So you can't expect relative. a guy who's that young to cost this that is, much. This is a relative it's conversation, right? though, right? I mean, I think what we're doing is we're comparing it to the likes of Chelsea, Arsenal, uh, City. Like, I'm saying – I think the point is that Liverpool, in comparison to those teams, has not dished out the kind of money that we're seeing uh, United dishing out or those other teams dishing out. Right? Not to say that they haven't spent the dough, but they're not spending the level of money that these other clubs are spending. And, you know, uh, I think it just goes back to the point we've been kind of dancing around. It's, it's down to coaching. It's down to tactics. And it's a waste of money bringing in players if you do not know how to bring the most out of them. And I think we're seeing that front and center with United. And I think we're seeing the contrast of that with clubs like, you know, City, Liverpool, Everton. I mean, yeah, money can only I, I take you so far. They're owned oh, yeah. by the same team that implemented Moneyball. So the Boston Red Sox, they won a lot of the championships using Moneyball. When, when will Liverpool may be doing the same thing. When will these managers and management learn? Like, you look at a couple of years ago when Tottenham sold Bale. They brought in, what, like 11 players or something? What happened? That's the same thing with Suarez. It's, it's I mean, same. Liverpool went and bought half of Southampton. It's ridiculous. Like, you can't just go out and go shopping and then expect we're done, we're solid, we're going <laughs> to win the trophy next year. That's not how it works. Yeah. Clubs are looking for immediate think- success, and they think money is the answer to that, and that's not the case. But- I-, I think that's a perfect summary, Neil, because the question I was going to ask, <laughs> then, that, that's exactly what it is. Do you think that if they didn't have that much money um, in such a short space of time, they would have made those mistakes. We can call them mistakes now. And I think the answer is yes. If, you, if they didn't have this huge influx of clash, our judgment wouldn't be clouded. They wouldn't be looking at these options. So I think that's, that's an awesome summary to end this segment on. Um, thank you so much, guys. Let's, why don't we go on yeah. and let's, let's go on to the, to the final segment of the show. Let's talk about our straight red. Who's going to get our early shower this week? Cass, why don't you break us in? Ooh, ooh. Huh? It's going to be difficult this week. I got you guys. So, I mean, yeah. I got a couple. <laughs> I have two. The first, West Ham's Arthur Masawaku. What are you doing, man? You're sticking your hand out like this? Nobody's on the other end of you. It's beyond your far post. And it hits your Ref hand. Was you right see the first penalty. Center. <laughs> Yeah. I just don't understand what you're doing. I mean, why would you even stick your hand out like that? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> he, he's, he's got a problem sticking his hands, his legs. He's, he's all over the place. You can see the penalty <laughs> like that, and um, everything goes pear-shaped afterwards. If you're going to do it, do it so, like Suarez and make it count, buddy. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jeez. either bite the guy's neck or, you know, stop a goal from going in. So, okay, I didn't say that, but, just, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. just make it count, right? <laughs> And then the other one, though, this one a little bit more seriously. A real red card goes to Yaya Torre's agent, Dimitri <laughs> Seluk. This guy is a real piece of work. Every season, 
Okay, you have Yaya Torre, who makes one of the most lucrative contracts in international football. Um, his agent keeps causing issues with him. Like either, you know, he wants to complain about not getting paid enough, being unhappy at the club. Just give him birth- a birthday cake. He just needs a cake. Yeah. A weekly I mean, cake wouldn't and now hurt. And now he's like, Pep Guardiola's won a few games and he's been disrespectful to my client. You already knew what happened with Yaya and Pep in 2010. You had an opportunity to leave the club. His intentions were made very well known that he had no plans for you in the club's, you know, future. You want the money. No one else is going to shell out that kind of money because City do appreciate Yaya Torre. Let that not be understated. Let us not forget that we paid him very handsomely for his services. I love Yaya. I think he's a great player, but I think his agent is really wrong in this regard. So if he knew he was not going to play and he wanted to go play, instead of causing a ruckus behind the scenes, he should have picked a club that he wanted to go play at that would have given him starting time. True. I think this kind of stuff is really disruptive to a team dynamic, especially guys who know Yaya for a long time. He's a great well, yeah, player. Yaya's he's not a good starter either. <laughs> but, but you know what? He, he causes a ruckus or like a stir like this, and it's not great for the team dynamic. If he has respect for his other teammates that he's played with for a while, he shouldn't be doing that. So you should just sit back, collect his nice paycheck, which is not small, three hundred, and not say anything. But I mean, in the end of the day, he's still more important than his agent. So if he if he really and, wants know, to have that role in Manchester City, then he should fight for it, and don't let his agent come out and say a bunch of crap about. God, I've used crap like eighty times today. I, I think just... Matt, Matt, and Cass, you you both touch on something that is super, super important. This underlying issue, and I think it's to do with money, about the power that the agents have. I'm just reading now something that Selleck said on Pep. Okay, he said he said that his grandfather could have won the league at Bayern. This is the kind of stuff an agent is saying about Pep Guardiola. <laughs> oh my God. That's unacceptable. That is unacceptable. It's, it's absurd. So it's, absurd. It, it's very telling about what, where we are right now with these agents and uh, what they think they're, they're allowed to do, uh, the money that they're demanding. Uh, it's it's going to get really, really interesting. What would, that's what would that's a good yeah, yeah, if he fired his agent? He's, what, 30, <laughs> early 30s? He doesn't have that much yeah. money. 32, 33, something 33, like that. 33, yeah. If he fires his agent... Yeah. He has, what, a couple years left? How is he going to, like, suffer from not having to pay those agent fees, not having to deal with a bunch of crap from his agent? Like, just take the money yeah. and run and then play the rest of your career out. Come to that noise. Unfortunately, as far as I know, he's very um, loyal to his agent, which is an honorable thing because his agent brought him up out of nothing. But sometimes they just say the wrong things, man. It's about greed. It's about wanting more than maybe – Fighting more than you uh, can chew. I think it's taking more than the club can really offer you realistically because you're not providing that kind of service to the club anymore. Yeah. Same thing with Rooney. Yeah. If you're going to accommodate That's... a guy who really doesn't have a place in the starting 11, look what happens. Look what happens. Um, that's great, great. Good, good red card, Castro. Matt, who gets your red card this week? So I guess... Um... I would say, well, now I'm torn because I was going to say the entire Manchester United team. Uh, the whole team. The whole team. I mean, 
select players obviously are highlighted in that. Um, but I'm also, I'm in torn because it was funny uh, to see Mourinho not know what to do. So very enjoyable. It was really enjoyable. And as a, as a a Chelsea fan and a former, you know, Mourinho, I wasn't diehard Mourinho, but I respected his ways. You were a Uh, disciple. It's, it's, yeah, it's pretty bad and it's just getting worse. So I think Mourinho is going to get my red card. That's fair. No arguments from me. No arguments from me. Mo, straight red to him. Yeah. Instead of just telling you who it is, I'll tell you some stats. (laughs) <laughs> this is going to be difficult. Here we go. Here we go. Here we 40 go. passes. More money. Completed 33 of them. Right? And then 27 of those 33 were passes that went backwards and sideways. Brunet. Oh, my God. That sounds like God. a defender to me, right? Yeah. It doesn't sound like... How many shots... How many shots on goal were there? Uh, zero shots on goal. One <laughs> off target, which was off by a mile. You know? <laughs> Insane. Um, how, many, how many take-ons were there? Chances <laughs> it created? Just, it, just, it was miserable. Like, it just it was, it was bad. And it, it, where his offense lacked, his defense lacked too. He wasn't doing anything on defense. He was one just running around tackle. with his head cut one off in midfield. Yeah, but, but, but how were his plugs? on goal. That's that's pretty bad for someone who's supposed to be scoring for you, you know. To be honest, Cass, his plugs look like they're thinning, so <laughs> he's probably pulling some hair out. He's probably yeah, it's the <laughs> and, stress. And, yeah, of and if this doesn't give it away, it. yeah, yeah, it's it, it has to go to Rooney. He's just it's he's worse the worst of men right now. You're off, mate. You're off. You lost <laughs> the plot. <laughs> You're off. You're off. Awesome. You know, he's probably at his lowest now, so we'll see what he does next week. He needs to figure something out, you know. If it means he gets less playing time and comes in and impresses, then be it. But right now, he yeah. gets the red card, and he'll keep getting that red card every week until he figures out what the hell he's doing, which it's not pretty. It's- <laughs> you're, not, you're not a very popular. Um, Neil, tell, tell me. Give well, it to me, Neil. Yeah, yeah, you know, my, my, my red card, I don't think Matt's going to like this. I got to give it to Conte, oh. uh, the coach from Chelsea. The coach. Conte I, or no, Conte? No, 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 and I'll tell you why. Conte. Like, obviously, Conte. 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 Okay. Conte. Get it right. <laughs> anyway, you know, <laughs> really poor defensive tactics uh, for the entire first half. I didn't understand delaying the subs until the last five minutes of the match where he brought on all three at the end. I think he got his tactics all wrong. It cost him. I give him my red, but you know what? I also give him a hug. I like you a lot, Conte. Thank you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Or he's got to get a hug. Get the hug. He, gets a, he gets a hug from he Neil. He gets a hug. Nice hug. Yeah, it's like yeah. a pity hug. Or it's like a backhanded compliment. I love yeah. it. Uh, you're crap right. but I like you <laughs> I like you man I like you thanks for sucking that's awesome yeah pretty yeah. much pretty much just wait just, nice. wait just wait just wait Wiss Wiss who gets your straight red buddy alright my straight red I'm gonna name off a few players and you guys uh, have whatever reactions you guys think will... <sighs> Adnan Yenuzai Paddy McNair mm. wow John O'Shea, David Moy. 
what what do all these players have just all existing. in common? Uh, Wait, they I, exist. Uh, I'm, I'm not done. They play soccer. Jack Rodwell, Fabio Borini, uh, Stephen oh Pinar, and Defoe. These are all like rejects from other clubs. These are all rejects Basically. from out of every single club. This is like Manchester Light over here. <laughs> hey, you got some Liverpool in there. Too. Yeah, Fabio Borini, Stephen Pinar. Jermaine Defoe. You got some Tottenham in there, too. And you have David Moyes. Sunderland have no idea what their identity is right now. <laughs> they don't know how to play, clearly. They have all these just like a mishmash of players. They're just like paying, willingly paying other clubs to just have their players. Why? I don't know what's going on over there, but they get my straight red for having no clue why they're in the Premier League right now. I would, not be I would not be surprised. If, I second uh, that red card. I would never pay for a ticket to go watch that team. They were <laughs> atrocious. <laughs> Honestly, they should just bring Newcastle back right now, mid-season. Just switch them out. This is like Seahawks, NFC West, 7-9, <laughs> division winners type shit where you're like, I don't want to see this, but... You know, it's terrible. It's it's really it's bad. Worse, it's NFC East. That's what you yeah. mean. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really bad. Yeah. Four and ten are making playoffs. As soon as they brought in David Moyes, it was just all – that was just that was just the nail in the coffin. They have no idea. Keeper, will I? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm oh, doing. <laughs> I had a bit too much whiskey to drink. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Deep, All right. what about Deep, what you got? Okay, look, this is not going to come as a surprise. And I, I, I still can't get over the fact that the reporter asked Pep Guardiola what he did. <laughs> he, get, he, get, he gets my red card. It's unbelievable. It's unacceptable. You cannot do that. It's, it, it, to me, it's just, uh, it makes me, I cried a little bit because of the state. <laughs> the state of journalism is just awful <laughs> it makes my skin crawl that you can be in front of this guy and then you have to sit down and think well, what am i going to ask him so, i'm going to ask him a really important this question. is a really get right really down to it question. most successful manager probably ever um so do you want to win everything what <laughs> go home go home you're fired and a red card huh. all right yeah, thank basically. you all right one more one more red guys, card. Guys, that's pretty okay, bad. let's give another one. It's the new red cards. What the hell's up with the round red cards? Oh, Who decided that? that? It's so stupid. It's not a card anymore. It's not a card. By default, a circle is not a card. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, no. They've been there before, guys. They've been there. There was one last year. Bolton had it 2015 against Liverpool. But I think the idea is that they're little frisbees. So you, if, if the ref is far away, you can just throw it. You can just launch him. <laughs> Especially if the players. Because it saves time. Doesn't come, doesn't yeah. come for records. Yeah, yeah the, ref, the ref is a ref, not Gambit from the X-Men. <laughs> throw these things. We got to change the name of this podcast to What's the Straight Circle, man. The Straight I, Circle. The straight Although circle. I do like that, though. Straight. That's, that's, that's kind of clever. The straight <laughs> Circle. That's the Straight good. Circle. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Okay, guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to call full time on it. I appreciate this. This was great. Another another great episode. Um, all of you, thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe. Uh, send in any questions that you have, um, and tune again next week. Uh, we're gonna head off now and probably have a brawl. Um, until next time, you think it's all over? It is now. <laughs> <laughs>